0: Welcome back to the Wolf of Quenchry podcast. And in today's episode, Richie Hardcore, an anti family and sexual violence campaigner, mental health advocate, one of the hardest working people I've seen in New Zealand over the last five, 10 years. And the craziest thing is I think you get younger each year I see you because <laughs> when I went and did some research on you, I would look back and there's videos of you 10 years ago and 12 years ago and something like that on YouTube and you still look younger today <laughs> than you did that. Um, you're also a retired Muay Thai fighter, been in the game for t- over 20 years, coaching, a champion, um, coaching some of the best in the um, in New Zealand at the moment, but a big thing that you stand up for is obviously family violence, making a difference and breaking um, a bit of the mold of how men and boys are raised and how they should be perceived in their society, what is right? What is wrong? And how we can just accept ourselves, even if we are different. Mm. So, uh, Richie, welcome to the show.
1: Yo, thanks, man. Thanks for um, the glowing introduction. <laughs> I Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man,
0: look at uh, you've you've been around the you've been around the block almost longer in this scene than I've been in this country. Um, like I said, is I've I've always since I got into it. You know, you were one of the people that I saw that was out there, was speaking up. You know, in the mental health game and the advocacy and standing there and putting your hand on the heart. And that's one thing that I've been so, it's so great to see from the outside. And uh, I know you talk about it a lot about, you know, we've got to break down these molds that society has brought on um, around our guys, our boys and our girls and the way they see that. Um, but it's also because you got a bit of a backstory and you grew up with it yourself and you saw what it meant to be in that situation and how to you know, get out of it in the best way possible. And I'd love to know, um, talk a little bit about your backstory you growing up in your youth and so forth.
1: Yeah, sure, man. Um, well, like way too many kids. I grew up with a dad who is an alcoholic mm-hmm. and struggled with struggles with depression. And this is, you know, in the era where we didn't have Mike King and John Cow and mm-hmm. people who are a generation ahead of me yep. talking about mental health and anxiety and asking for help and breaking down the barriers and you know, my father's generation uh, just manned up, yep. you know, to use an unhelpful term, <laughs> and they pushed all their feelings down and sank piss, and that manifests in a whole range of different ways in our culture, but often that's domestic violence, mm-hmm. right? On top of, you know, not having communication skills when we kind of – allow men to be angry. I'm looking back obviously yeah. after like <laughs> when I was eight, I wasn't talking about this. Yeah. Um, we allow men to be angry and to be the happy guy, but there's no room for like the middle ground emotions mm-hmm. or the confusing emotions, right? And we never ask for help. We just kind of suck it up, get on with it. It
0: was never it was never an option, right? We never knew Yeah, it was
1: never ne- yeah, it was an option. And none of that excuses um violence or yep. abusive behavior, but we need to be able to talk about this to explain it and find answers, right? And so, yeah, like, I didn't grow up in the worst of the worst. It wasn't once warriors, but there was a lot of emotional abuse and instability, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I grew up visiting my old man in, um alcohol and drug rehab, and the police would come to my house sometimes, and, yeah, it was unstable, and it was not optimal for uh, anyone's development, yeah. you know? But I don't hold grudges against my father. He did the best he could with what he had, you yeah. know? He didn't have the tools he needed. And in spite of that, when he would, uh, you know, when he would be violent and stuff, he always apologized and he was aware what he was doing mm-hmm. was wrong. He just didn't have tools to shift his course, yep. you know? And I mean, I love my dad and he's given me permission to talk about this publicly, yep. like New Zealand's a small country yep. and, uh, I'm mindful that he's a man in the world too. And, you know, when I first started Talking about this I, I guess nearly yeah, over a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I reached out and asked my old man and he was cool with it. He said, as long as you're telling the truth and it helps other people. Yeah. And I think that's quite graceful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he he still struggles, you know. Like he's been off and on the wagon with his um substance abuse uh in my whole life. Yeah. It, to the and that kind of underpins my work. <laughs> like I um I worked in alcohol and drug harm yep. for, for about six or seven years in a preventative model, and then I started doing public speaking and lectures, and i talk at different conferences and shit. And I talked about this in a newspaper article once, so I can repeat it here. My dad relapsed really badly in 2020, yep. and it takes such a long time to get anyone into um, medical detox. My father is a sort of alcoholic that if he mm, just goes cold turkey, he risks dying, yep. he risks going into a seizure. And so he needs to do what's called a medical withdrawal and, um, the number of beds are super limited in, in, in our country, mm-hmm. right. And so long waiting lists and you're encouraged to go and do what's called maintenance drinking. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, I want, so once my dad fell over really badly, smashed his head open, I had to take him to hospital at like two in the morning mm-hmm. You know, he's there like, I don't know, 50 to 100 times over the drink drive limit. It was insane, right? Little old man. And the next morning, the doctor's like, okay, you need to take your dad to buy some liquor so his body doesn't freak out because we don't have beds, right? Yeah. And I was ringing around different rehabilitation um, services. They'd be like, is this Richie Hardcore? (laughs) I think I saw he speak at a conference one time. And it really is, you know, the old feminist slogan, the personal is political, right? Like I can point people to statistics and data and academic research, but I think telling my story, like anyone who tells their story, that's what really resonates with people. So yeah, I try and take how my childhood was suboptimal, but also look at the positives Mm -hmm. from it. You know, when I was 13, dad took me to Taekwondo for the first time and that like put me on the path that, led me to be, I guess, in some ways, a successful person. Yeah. And he took ownership of his failings doing that. You know, I've told this to people before. I, I was talking to my old man as an adult. Yo, why did we? Why did you take me to, like, the community hall to do Taekwondo? Mm. And he said, oh, you know, I said to the guy, I'm not doing the best job as a dad. Can you help out my son? Mm. And as a father now, yeah. like, that's a big admission, mm. you know? Like, so for all the negative stuff, and I think it's we can – We can romanticize our, our grief and be, we can tell a victimhood narrative if we want to and get clout and stuff for that. Like, I I think, um, it's more empowering for me to go, yo, some of it was shit and it sucked and I'm still dealing with some of those issues to this day. And I had to do a lot of unlearning and relearning, but lots of good stuff happened too. Mm -hmm. And, and, and in many ways, all the worst things that happened to me are the best things that happened to me. Because growing up with adversity gave me a real passion to make a difference as an adult growing up with adversity and knowing what it feels like to be scared and insecure Mm -hmm. and have those sorts of experiences gave me like a compassion and empathy for other people. And I've had like a really interesting life. You know, yeah. like like I've interviewed like Chuck D and Iron Maiden and I go on tour with heavy metal bands and yeah. talk to thousands of people a night and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like, you know, like my holy sometimes like is this my life? Yeah. You know, it's wild. Like you you just know me from the internet or whatever, and <laughs> you're like, yo, can I talk to you? Like I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> like yeah, you know you know what i mean
0: 100 uh, yeah. percent. you know it is one thing just just to say on that um i know there's um funny how people are going to look at it the the path that you've gone down rich in it uh, you know that you've had to go through in the struggles is made the man you are today the person you are right um and uh, and it's become a success from it but it doesn't naturally mean that it's always going to be the way Unfortunately, you know, um, you know, we're not condoning, we're not supporting. You know, you to have gone through that path to get where you are today. So you know, the family violence, and also a big thing uh, to mention there is when you talk about the violence or family violence, is people have the perception that it's always physical. Mm, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't naturally mean that it's a physical violence. It can be physical. It can be emotional. It can be. Uh, there's multiple forms of it as well. So just to make sure, if you you're watching at the moment, which you're going, hey, it's super cool what he's doing right now. That doesn't mean, you know, we, we support and condone it as just, oh, yeah, where, I, you've la- just I, where you've landed, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Yeah, I definitely am not saying I hope your dad is um, <laughs> abusive and violent so your yeah. life turns out cool. Yeah. What I'm saying is that um, I've chosen a perspective yeah. of difficult yeah. things that have happened to me, which Emb- I wish hadn't in many ways. It. I'm like, this is the yeah. hand life has dealt me, mm-hmm. and this is what I can make of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? don't percent like, I wish everyone had healthy, happy Brady Bunch lives, but that's not true for many of us. And I I acknowledge that I've been fortunate to have really positive role models step into my Mm -hmm. life and steer me in different ways, and not everyone's that lucky. You know, for all the stuff I talk about, I never went hungry. My parents were literate, took me to the library, Mm -hmm. made sure I went to school, you know, like – you just, you just finished your thesis didn't know your master's, didn't you? Yeah, I just finished my master's degree yeah. uh, in sociology. Yeah. yeah, I took a 10-year gap between finishing my honours degree and then going back to do my master's mm-hmm. degree. Yeah, I didn't do particularly well about high school because of how I grew up. I was always like a smart kid who underperformed. Yeah. Uh, but... I got sick of working in warehouses when I was like 26. You know what I mean? Like I just did, I just like fighting people and going to punk rock and hardcore shows like all through my twenties. Yeah. I mean, fighting people in the in the context of kickboxing. Right. <laughs> I wasn't like, yo, what's up motherfucker? Like dropping people <laughs> in the street or nothing. Um, so, so,
0: so he says. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, like we had our fair share of fights in the street as young men yeah. growing up in West Auckland and in, in the, the,
0: the messy mafia back in the day.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it was wild. Bro. I was talking about this the other day. Like I, um, I grew up in West Auckland, and there were like wild police riots. Like the riot squad would come and break up. Like these hundreds and hundreds of kids, like just going ham. It was crazy. When I think back now, and I have children now, I'm like, holy shit! I hope my kids never. Have that experience, you know.
0: I, I, it is so true. Look uh, um, you know, you you've got a couple of year, you got a couple years on me. So, you, uh, and you you grew up in West Auckland. Like I played, I played rugby out in um at Massy for a good few years. Oh, geez, uh, over what's it now? 10, 15, 15 years ago, right? So, I mean, that's still quite newish in that sense. And that's where the whole Massy Mafia was built off. There was a whole youngsters coming out of West Auckland and called themselves the Massy Mafia, and it, and it bred and it all bred in from that. That male ego yeah, yeah, strength yeah. point that was around from even the that you said from when you know when you would have grown up that that stuff was that was all built into it and they the at the football club at the rugby club they used it as a sort of a motivation to stand together because we so different they were so different and you know um and so wild you could say and and it worked it it motivated them and they won the they won the auckland league twice or sorry the harbour league twice in like three years and stuff but that psychology was already there right it's that psychology of hey we're a little bit different so we're going to be we're going to man up and we're going to fight our way and we're going to almost like thug our way through thug our way through right and it's and then it just shows you um how it is there and it's not the teenager the kid or the early
1: 20 year olds fault. It's sort of the education that's been brought on to them, right? Yeah. I think, so this is what I wrote my thesis about, right? Like the concept of masculinity. It's like this broader cultural normative idea of Mm -hmm. what it means to be a man. Right. And, um, yeah, there are obvious biological drivers, of male behavior, like testosterone is a hell of a hormone, right? Like, but, um, some of that shit is cultural, right? Mm-hmm. When you tell little boys from day dot, harden up, suck it up. Did you punch him? Like, don't be a pussy. Yeah. All these sorts of things. You're teaching them this is okay and this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and we kind of get put, hemmed into quite a limited idea of acceptable behavior because as human beings, we want to mm-hmm. fit in with the yeah. tribe. Right? Yeah. And like, it sucks being the odd one out. And so you do what you need to do to fit in. So when I went to Calston boys in the nineties, mm-hmm. it was a tough working class rugby yeah. school but we were into like grunge and punk and alternative and we dyed out here and had mohawks and nose rings and I wore a kilt and like, is what we would call like gender non-conforming yeah. behavior, right? My, my, my daughter would absolutely love that. I was all about <laughs> that shit. But I remember getting in a fist fight at 15 years old yeah. and doing good. And then everyone treated me differently. And I went from the outside group to yeah. the inside group and I leant into that. Yeah. So I cut my like curly blue hair off got a fade, started wearing, like, basketball singlets and baggy jeans and, like, being, like, quote, unquote, right. a real man yeah. as as I was expected to be socially. I'd still go home and watch, like, romantic comedies by myself <laughs> and, like, wish I had a girlfriend, but on the outside I was yeah. building this kind of, like, masculine facade, right, and and that feels good for a while, but when I talk to boys now, I'm like, yo, all my tattoos, all my success as a professional fighter as a coach, like getting well-known in a small country, none of that like shell of successful manhood saved me from depression or anxiety or meant that I knew how to have a romantic relationship well and navigate all the ins and outs of it. Right. Like that's just, that's a lot of that stuff's a facade that we, that we put up as men to keep safe emotionally. And I work with men from prison now, like in their rehabilitation process, A lot of my personal friends are pretty like tough and been on the wrong side of the tracks. And honestly, sometimes like the more, um, physically strong and aggressive someone looks like the more hurt they are on the inside. Right. We build up these masculine shells and it's a real, um, it's a real shame that Mm -hmm. we have to do that. Right. Like how do we allow boys and men to sure, you want to play rugby, you want to, you want to get into sports, you want to pursue business, none of those things are inherently bad. But if that's all you think a man is, then you're going to have problems when you don't know how to like, Love your kids properly, yeah. you know. <laughs> it, it, it's so true. Like
0: I've got a, you know, I'm working through a bit of a this turmoil myself at the moment. So I grew up in South Africa, um, you know, great opportunity, family and everything. but my, my, my old man's an old military man, right? Oh yeah. Straight straight down the line in the box. This is hard. Was you know there was no F or buts. As you know. Um, as you say, and it, it was it was one way. That was that was the rules and setup. So you you get raised in this way, and you know I had amazing children and everything else. And then I come over here, where um you know, and then I've got my my two kids now and raising them, and got my my son, and my daughter, and that's a lot more. It's not as in the box, yeah. So you know, I've you know I've spoken. About this. I've had challenges, not challenges with my son. My son is the total opposite of me. Like I was very aggressive, I was very motivated, I was driven as as a teen because that was what was installed in me. Why are you good in this? And oh, so you you be a thousand miles now. You go down that path, you know. And my and my boy is is a, a big kid. Is a big kid like I was and everything. Everything's in the sense there for him to be this big man's man and he won't play rugby because he's worried he will hurt one of the other kids if he tackles that so you know you hear this as as a dad that i played rep i played um you know professional rugby up into my early 20s or try to win springbok 21 trials oh, yeah. so you know all this stuff and you're like okay get into it just do it and, <laughs> yeah yeah and then so you got to step back and myself i've got to reprogram myself not that i have to do any program i just got to allow him to be to, who we want to, to be, right? To be who we want to be, and accept that, and I still, you know, struggle through it sometimes oh. on a daily and a weekly basis. And uh, the same thing again, you know, with my, with, know, uh, with my daughter, and she's the, she's a total grunge kid in the nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. I said to the other day, her, I said to her, everyone's, everyone's saying she's like, oh, no, know, she almost be emo. That in the nineties, there was no emo; it was grunge. Yeah. You know, that's the sort of stuff, in it, and it's just going cool, you you and rock you and we have to stop trying to conform and, uh, and everything yeah, else because, yeah. but also give them the right tools. Right. So one of the things, you know, Richie, both of us, when we grew up, we weren't given the tools or place to say, Hey, I'm struggling. I've got a problem and yeah. you know the rest of it. And, um, you know, I've, I've had, a, had a, f- a few discussions on the show, um, with some, with some key people, um uh, Dr. Emma Woodward, child psychologist had on there. And we speak about, you know, having children having access to psychologists now. Some people think it's weird. And I was actually speaking to someone um just the other day about this and going, okay, when we grew up, we would have never, we would have never seen a a psychologist or a shrink or whichever as a teenager unless there was a critical problem. Yes. But but now it's almost expe- uh, not expected, it's almost become the norm. And originally, when someone said to me, Hey, would you let your kids do it? I was like, no, there's nothing wrong with them. Why would they? Why would they need to go speak to, you know, a psychologist? And then you see that, hey, by them doing it or having a place where they can actually go and talk about something they might not understand, but they don't want to speak to mom and dad about yeah. because they they're not sure how to ask that. All of a sudden it gives the 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds a space where they can be open and they can feel safe. And um, it's funny the episode released just a few days ago with Lonnie Fogel where we spoke exactly about this, this transitional state of our generation of we had to go down one way and it was only in the box with the new generation now of they've been slowly given a bit more freedom so I'm hoping that the teenagers of today when they get to 25, 28 or 30 years old they've nice got skills. the tools yeah, yeah, that yeah. we didn't get right that's causing a bit of the, the mental health and the suicide that we're seeing because <sighs> there's that grey area right
1: it's a tricky one. Like that's an interesting point you make because yeah, we have all these conversations around mental health, yeah. but if you look at like the data around mm. anxiety and depression for like teenagers, yeah. it's like off the charts, yeah. like it's on this massive rise. Mm-hmm. And part of that I would say is, yep, we can identify that now. Right. So something that we, more, Yeah. Right. okay, this is anxiety and depression. So that shows up in the, the, mm. the data, but at the same time, it gets it gets like even potentially controversial. It's like how much are we over diagnosing normal human behavior? Yeah. Or how much is social media playing a negative role in young people's mm-hmm. self image and how is it creating mental health disorders mm-hmm. or even fetishizing them? Yeah. I don't know if you. It, <laughs> uh, God, we just we, we Did just talk about this. We just
0: covered the, the episode. that's just Lonnie Fogelberg. We we spoke almost directly onto this. Well, a camera way of people. I spoke about it in the sense of I'm. I get angry about people that are like mental health advocates because it's trendy, right? Yeah, so I'm I am to angry yeah, too. All the time, right? And then you know, and we and then we spoke about the whole thing about people actually go. Teenagers actually pretending they've got like Tourette syndrome, yeah, because it's an <laughs> acceptance tick box, right? So we finally spoke about this, um, and it's so funny because then we also went into this, um, this one and it's a video that I've just released today or yesterday about the whole this Gen Z society thing about how their life's easier, yeah. So we went down, so we went down this path, and um, Lani had a really great way to explain it. She goes, We grew up in a time period where um, not saying our life was harder, but just the way our society was, we had to we had to go through more. We didn't have the the technology and the ease and the the simpler way of doing things. So we we sort of uh, went through a system where um, having to run down the street, to walk down the street, <laughs> or having to do exercise, or having yeah, to yeah. struggle. But more, we uh, we've got a level, we've got a higher level of uh, out of ten, let's say. So something hard for us has to be like a, a 10 out of 10 because we used to nine yeah, out of tens, yeah. right? Uh, but now Gen Zs are raised in a society where they- Everything's easy. Everything's easy. So when they get a five out of 10- It feels they, like a 10 out of 10. Correct.
1: I um I love that you talk about this because, yeah, great that we have all these technological advancements <laughs> and like all of human history is in your hand now yeah. and you can- So to, any,
0: to anyone else, I'm just using
1: <laughs> it as my timekeeper, right? That's why it sits there. <laughs> but- but at the same time, it, and I quote, uh, academic, I'm a big fan. I've called Jonathan Haidt. Mm-hmm. I talk about his stuff a lot when I have these sorts of conversations and he tracks like the rise in intellectual, emotional, and psychological fragility that comes with, um, younger generations, right? Like they're not as intellectually emotionally robust and even like exposure to ideas that they don't like is now framed as like harmful and that's not good for us like we need a degree of you need to be challenged yeah you need to be challenged to grow right whether that's with your ideas or with your body Mm -hmm. like your body gets stronger by lifting weights or going running faster and further right it's the same with our experiences as human beings and if we're never exposed to ideas that we have to grapple with that are Difficult Mm -hmm. or controversial, if we're never able to have a face-to-face discussion with someone who we disagree with, but we can find mutual shared human understandings Mm -hmm. with and agree to disagree, we're actually going to, like, stunt ourselves. And we're going to be potentially miserable, and that's basically like what Twitter is. You know, like it's like a lot of people who have heaps of time on their hand, yeah. who are, are like never materially challenged, and have yeah. never had material hardship. There's no like tangible physical difficulties in their life. They've got a lot of education, and I think almost manufacturing issues to like a razor thin degree. <laughs> And that is, I think, socially detrimental because we have, if you you follow political discourse, an increasing amount of, like, political polarization where we can't recognize people in the middle anymore. Mm -hmm. We can't see each other across the divide anymore. Everyone's just screaming into the, like, online eat sphere. And then, like, all these different radical nuanced identities – down to the nth degree mm-hmm. it's like this hyper 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 individualism yeah that i don't think is helpful like from a, if i think about you know human beings being tribal creatures if i think about what i think is a good way to look at the world is like finding solidarity with one another mm-hmm. um with having like a broad church we don't have to agree with everything yep. but we can agree on most things. I think that's a better way forwards, right? But now everyone is like, kind of super fragile. There's a lot of there's a lot more verifiable, like mental distress and like radical ideologies across the spectrum that are kind of kind of starting to tear at the fabric, and I and I really worry about that. Down to like, how are our kids like being affected by this environment that they're. Yeah. Growing up in.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Again, I, I'll bring it up because I've got an extra example, right? So, um, again, safe so and raised, a bit more staunch, I'm unfiltered, I'm blunt. That's just how my style is, the same as where my dad was as a parenting in style. So I've softened in my time. But yeah. there's certain situations when you talk to a child and it's a one-way conversation. As a parent to a child, you're doing this. This is what you're doing. There's no there's no rebuttal, right? Go and do your homework, you've been naughty, you've been putting time out, you're losing your device. Yeah. There, there, well, a- putting boundaries on someone. Yes, yeah, right. So the challenge I've had recently is I would go with a one-way conversation setup and I'll be a bit back with a, with a, a fight back. And when I challenge it, it is, oh dad, we've been taught our opinions count. Are you telling me that I can't have my opinion on a situation and now you're trying to block my opinion? So this is where I stand there and going, okay, I fully respected your opinion counts, but where's the fucking arsehole that taught you this, <laughs> okay, to not tell you the further boundaries within it and understanding that there's a situation where your opinion counts and there's a situation where you acknowledge what is going on and then just accepting it.
1: Well, I think – I don't mean to sound like too conservative, but we're kind of at a time where opinions and feelings supersede like tangible reality Mm -hmm. and and, and evidence-based fact. And that's detrimental to all of us. Like if we can't agree on this is a blue lid (laughs) and no, I feel that's a pink lid. Yeah. Like we're never going to like solve the real issues that we have in our society Homelessness, rising rates of mental illness, mm. domestic violence, uh, suicide rates, um, economic inequality, um, environmental degradation, mm. these are like tangible things that we should all be fixing on. Mm. But we spend a lot of time in the political sphere at the moment with these really like upper to middle class intellectual debates yeah. about people's feelings and opinions. i mean, like, none of this stuff that I see, I mean, I don't mean to get away from your, your parenting analogy, (laughs) but I think it speaks to that, you know, from a young age, you're like, your opinion matters over, and it supersedes all of these other things. Like I'm not entirely sure that's the way forwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't believe children should be seen and not heard. Yeah, I think, because we have really healthy discussions with my stepson, who's a super smart, nine-year-old who sometimes challenges me, particularly <laughs> when we're doing math. So I'm like, I don't know, bro, <laughs> like you're the man with the mathematics. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess, but like, you know, I, you know, there's a degree of me which feels like you, know, I'm like, nah, nah, just do what I tell you. Yeah. But I actually think the healthy conversation challenges me to tip outside of those paradigms that I perhaps grew up with that mm-hmm. you and I are talking about. And like, um, Give him a boundary because he needs to know that that's not acceptable behavior or this is a better way to treat people or here is a better way to deal with that situation or whatever he's talking about. But also let him express himself within that. Yeah. Because, you know, if we go back to. But
0: at the right place though.
1: Right place and right time. Right. And like, you know, we were talking about mental health and, you know, my father's junior, like we said, like they weren't allowed to express themselves. Mm -hmm. Never speak up, hold all your shit inside. It's a recipe for self destruction over time, right? So it's and finding you, that middle ground, right? Yeah.
0: And the pen, and true, because the pendulum's gone all the other way, right? So we've gone from a full locked in box Pandora, <laughs> yeah, right, to, like, to opening to the like to open the fall box. apart if you like yeah. stab your toe. And, yeah. And I mean, and that's a challenge. So I mean, I'll go down rabbit holes where I'll watch a, a certain video of a outspoken. A so he's a gentleman or ladies now outspoken because they were willing to come out and challenge people irrespective of the topic, and they'll go to a university. And now there's a thousand kids that, uh, teenagers or 20-year-old guys, oh. because, irrespective of where you sit in the spectrum, whether it's a gender discussion, whether it's, a um, you know, intellectual discussion, because this pendulum has gone the whole way of you're allowed to say what you want and openness and everything else, and people have to then accept what you say out of your mouth as accurate, again, is also a crock of shit because yeah. me saying – this is what it is and I believe this is what it is irrespective means that the rest of the world has to just accept that it's just yeah I get frustrated
1: with the are you talking about Peter Boguson there's a few of
0: them that's going around I think that's his last name
1: yeah I get frustrated with like well my truth is this and I'm like well it's great that you have your subjective reality but we need to temper your subjective individualistic experience with like a broader facts i'm i'm big on data yeah i'm big on like okay not what you feel but what does like the research yep. say and to be fair as someone who's just come out of returning to like postgraduate <laughs> academia increasingly i i get disappointed with academia because it's colored by politicalness yeah by yeah. politics and ideology and again like there's certain things you can't talk about or you have to talk about them in a particular way at the expense of finding like truth even about difficult things um, and that yeah. that I I get bummed out about that. I guess what I'm saying across all of this is that I'm just down for some objectivity. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like our personal yeah. experiences count. Yep. they really do. And story, like I said earlier, our stories are a way of moving people across mm-hmm. the dial. And how do we find our yeah. shared humanity, right? But like at the same time, my unique individual experience and worldview shouldn't supersede something that is empirically true. Is that fair to yeah, say?
0: true. So so where do we go from here? So, if, so someone that's listening or Jesus, watching- Jesus, dude, I thought we were just talking about kickboxing for half an hour. Really. Like, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: No, no. We're talking about just, the Israel at the fly, yeah. I don't know. Like.
0: <laughs> oh, man. No, Izzy did amazing. But yeah, no, let's let's go quickly. Someone's watching, listening, going, cool, Richie, you're 100% correct. Fully respected. Where, where, where's a couple of things that we can think about or consider? Right, we are being bombarded from the the freedom of speech and uh, in the worst sense of what freedom of speech actually means. Um, and we are missing the boat. What, what do you Zealand. mean by that? Well, everyone is allowed to say what they want to say. Yes, but now we're, people have been raised to say that what they want to say has more value than what it actually is. Oh yeah, okay, okay. sure. So yeah. that's where I think that. This whole, hey, I'm allowed to say what I want to say and believe what I want to believe, but then they use that to good or bad in the wrong way. Mm, like mm, you mm. said, on the two sides of mm. the political spectrum, wherever you sit in the situation. But within New Zealand, if we come around here, where can we, where can we go from this? You've been, you've been in the game longer than most of us in, in this scene, in this space, over a decade. Um, where can we try and make some difference? Uh, and then we can get to easy
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay well i guess what we've been like we've you know we've gone from my personal journey to raising our kids to political polarity yeah and i guess extremism right are we am i just recapping this conversation i i don't see a lot of like moderate voices in the online space a lot and i think that's what i've become like i've come from like a far, far left wing advocacy person. Mm -hmm. I used to do a lot of public advocacy for the green party and labor party. And, you know, I did a degree in political science and I always thought I'd get into politics. Uh, and then I got into, you know, that's all sort of changed a lot because as it's become more extreme, the less I've been interested Mm -hmm. in it because the way we talk about politics now is really ugly and it's about destroying individuals and their reputations and it's ad hominem and it's not, It's not based in like human kindness. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of like pulled back from talking about politics, but in my pullback from politics, I've found voices not not so much in New Zealand, but, um, overseas Mm -hmm. that give me a lot of hope. And I will list some of those voices now. So the, one of the first people that I, when I was trying to like, what is politics anymore? What is this? Um, was a woman called Aisha Dekambi, um, from the United Kingdom. She's awesome. I'm fortunate enough to have a little bit of back and forth with her on like in, in the Instagram chat. Sometimes I'm basically just this massive fanboy. Yeah. I really recommend checking out her thinking lots of talks on YouTube. Um, she's actually a fashion designer, but she's a wonderful cultural critic mm-hmm. and commentator. I think, um, Thomas Chatterton Williams mm-hmm. is a, another wonderful voice who, um, I'm a huge fan of. Um, again, I chat with him a little bit online. He's like a nice reasonable rational dude. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Barry Weiss who used to be at the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Some people say she's conservative. I'd say she's just like a liberal like yeah. um you know she, she 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 she's like democratic voting lesbian, right? Mm-hmm. Like but as the polarities exchanged, yeah. you know, like someone like her is considered conservative reactionary mm-hmm. because she's not on board with a lot of modern progressive ideology, but she's got a new media organization called the free press, mm-hmm. which I really rate. Yeah. Um, like if you're like watching this and you're like a very, um, social justice, progressive person, you're probably like, fuck Richie hardcore like, <laughs> canceled, but yeah. none of these are reactionary. All right. Yeah. These are the, I'm basically advocating for central leftism and, mm-hmm. and, and, and moderate, moderate approaches to these debates. Right. I don't believe in zero sum games anymore. Mm -hmm. I think we actually have to learn to live with people who disagree with us and do our best to coexist and find mm, one another's shared humanity. Right. Whether you vote right wing or left wing, if you believe in equity versus equality, you still love your kids the way they love their kids right? You still bleed red. You still cry tears. Like let's use that as the basis to find answers to our pressing human issues. Um, who else do I like? Um, is Goshi. I'm really sorry. I pronounced that really badly, but she's a Nigerian author, uh, awesome. really great voice. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do I like to follow online? I should send you a list and you can put it in the yeah, show notes uh, if you'd yeah, like. But, awesome. I, but I've increasingly been on this. Oh, you know who I love? Africa Brook. Mm-hmm. Africa's real cool. Africa's a cool voice. She wrote this book. No, wrote this really good essay um, on like why I'm leaving the cult of wokeness. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean to dis... I know woke is a pejorative term now. Yeah. And I'm not trying to disrespect you if... Um, critical theory-based social justice is your approach to politics. Yeah. But for many of us, myself included, it actually gets the way, in the way of social progress um, through so many rules and dictums of, like, you have to think like this and agree on all the same things and use all the same jargon. And yeah. it's like this purity cycle. Um, yeah, Africa Brooks cool. I like Coleman Hughes, who, again, is probably um, maybe center-right, you know. I'm, just, I'm down with gravitating around the centre these days yeah. when I used to be over here on the left. I remember the second year political science lecture. I can't remember the lecturer. sorry. But they said the further apart the polarity is, the greater the likelihood of like physical, tangible violence in mm-hmm. society. And I think we're starting to see that.
0: Just pulled so far apart, right?
1: Well, we can't recognise that's a human being yeah. over there. And when this is an abstract, we talk about this in my work about violence against women, right? Yeah. When you objectify women and turn them just into their sexual body parts and the worth that they, um, give to men for their sexual gratification, right? Like that's not a human being anymore. So you will be violent towards them, Mm -hmm. right? Like you, there's a dehumanizing lack of empathy that is required to like sexually assault someone. Or if you believe that Mm -hmm. men are boss all the time over like these slightly less you know, women are stupid, women are Mm -hmm. illogical, you know, like you're more likely to be violent towards someone like that. And I think that plays out in our political culture too, to some degree. When you think this person's not a human being with all the same hopes, dreams, aspirations that you might from your political standpoint, it's easy to be violent towards them. And we're starting to sort of see that around the edges now, whether it's like the capital riots in the United States yeah. or the, the you know, the Wellington protest down yeah. here. Whatever your views on vaccination, are, I really don't want to fucking get into it. But like we're starting to see more yeah. extreme physical things yeah. coming offline into the online tangible world. And that troubles me, Yeah, okay. you know. And then, and then
0: you, take, you take all of that, what you had to say at the moment, uh, which is, you know, so true and all the rest of it. Um, and then you go, you know, what chance do our kids have?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I saw, think it's centering have? it's centering your it's centering your kids mm-hmm. in the real world, right? Yeah. Like you, you your son doesn't want to play rugby, great. You don't have to play rugby to be in the real world. yeah If you're a parent watching this, yo, you gotta put a fucking time limit on how much time your kid spends on a screen. Yeah. And that can be hard, but you're a fucking parent. That's yeah. your job. Mm-hmm. right You're not just gonna let your kid like drink alcohol, smoke weed, drive a car when they're nine years old. Why would you let them be on a screen mm-hmm. which is shown to make them more antisocial, more likely to have depression, more likely to have anxiety, more likely to be exposed to online bullying, mm-hmm. more likely to be exposed to inappropriate sexual content, more likely to be exposed to sexual predation and grooming? Mm-hmm. All of that is data-based. Yeah. That is not just some fucking tattooed excited guy telling you that. <laughs> there is like lots of research that supports what yeah. I just said. Yeah. If you love your kids, you're not just going to let them soak that shit up because it's bad for them. You actually have to say, all right, you're allowed one hour of screen time after school, maybe one hour in the morning before school. That's it. Yeah. And I know that's hard. I'm fully self-employed and so is my fiance. Yeah. And like, it's fucking tough when it's like teachers only day or the holidays. Um And you're like, shit, do I go earn money to pay the mortgage or do I make sure my kid doesn't like write his brain? And more often than not, we need to choose the not writing the brain. Yeah, You know, like so many kids now are babysat by screens. It's not a go at parents because I get like the society we live in puts us in this real difficult bind. But if you can... Allow your child more time to do outdoor activities or social activities where screens aren't involved. The better off they're going to be, and they're less exposure to like mental ideas about like society as well. Yeah. Like kids are getting like really radicalized because they're on TikTok all the time and they're believing things which don't have a strong scientific evidential base, but are but are trendy, and that's uh, r- that's a real that's really troubling.
0: It is right. I mean, when we grew up. <laughs> You you didn't know anything till like school taught you, or well, you read it in a book, right? Yeah. So and that's a big thing. So it's so true with what what they get on their devices through the likes of TikTok as one platform more. Um, TikTok's the worst,
1: and also like with bullying, right? Mm-hmm. Yo, you ever getting a fist fight at primary school? Like I did, yeah. but that was it. Yeah. I wouldn't go home, and like the same kid would be a dick to me. Yeah. Right? Like now that it's like twenty four seven, three sixty five, yeah. and our young people, our teenagers, are committing suicide over online bullying. Yeah, that's why I hate like cancel culture and online parlons that adults carry out to other adults for like, mm-hmm. well, they said this stupid thing, or they wrote a terrible article, or I heard this about them, and it's just like. It validates online abuse, harassment, and stalking campaigns. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why our kids do that. It's like, well, look at your own behavior and belief system and what's that role modeling? Because it does have real-world impacts. Our children are committing suicide, sometimes at least, because of online bullying. We Mm -hmm. We need to look at that.
0: That's so true, Matt and Richie. And you know, we can we can go on for hours and hours along this <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm Just
1: warming up. Dog. I know. I was yeah. just say
0: just warming up and everything, right? <laughs> um, you know, um, yeah. We didn't come here to speak about Izzy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like you know, you know, we come around and that sort of stuff. You know. What, we, where can we leave our audience with today? Like, if there's so much we've covered and so much insights. You know, uh, everyone I know from my audience would love what you had to say and oh, everything thanks. else. Um, you know, what is something we can leave our audience with today just to think about from them, either as individuals in society or as, as parents in society
1: as well? Um, I think... Before we just finish up talking about this online thing yeah. and political polarization and blah, 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 blah. I think we need to moderate like how much time we spend online. Mm-hmm. There's a really good book called stolen focus by a journalist. I love called Johan Hari. Mm-hmm. Great book. I really recommend reading that book. Also, he's got another book called, um, last connections about mental health. It's one of the best books I ever read. Mm-hmm. You know, my work is focused on like boys and men. A lot of the time. Yeah. Another great book is called of boys and men by mm-hmm. Richard Reeves you know, who's failing at school, our boys, yeah. you know, uh, th- that our men are dying from diseases of despair now. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's a really good book to read. Um, obviously I'll shout myself out. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. check me out online, like at Richie hardcore. Uh, I talk about a lot of different things kind of around a lot of the topics we're talking about yeah. today. Um, there's an online organization based in America called a call to men, um, there's a new w- website coming out from the Ministry of Social Development here in Aotearoa yep. uh, called Change is Possible. Mm-hmm. And I've done some contributing writing for that. There's a lot of great content on there about how to be a stepdad or, you know, what's healthy masculinity look like or what, how do you know what I mean? They're awesome. My friends, Sarah and Matt Brown at She Is Not mm-hmm. Your Rehab. Yep. Huge fan. They're like really great friends. Um, I really love how they do that work. Mm-hmm. um there's some of my really favorite voices white ribbon new zealand yeah. one of the pioneering groups of taking ownership of men's violence towards women addressing that um yeah i mean again i'm happy to email you some show notes <laughs>
0: you, you know what i mean <laughs> no, that sounds yeah. amazing man yeah uh, that, no, that's awesome um you know the you know um, i'm i'm not sure. rehab i love what they're doing there uh and um you know um group there and then they pushing they've grown really well in the last couple they've of years they've gone huge yeah, yeah
1: they've they've been so smart and intentional with yep. their messaging yeah and they they're real ones you know mm. like they're not just like in it for the online fame yeah, yeah. They, they really 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 care and donate heaps of their time and energy and knowledge and open themselves up to all sorts of things yeah and when you talk about your difficult experiences a lot comes back and it's not always nice you know mm-hmm. yo they're ogs you know i'm a big fan of them yeah, it's the same as the the crew over at Mandate um, um based
0: out of Auckland. They've been in the um in the scene for over oh they their oh, Um
1: I don't know them, but just real quick, of course, I'm Hope, the yes, bro Mike King. Mike King. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I just did charity with him and um uh Jack Innocent from Hendo's Hot oh, topics. Yeah, we, yeah, 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 we did I a, was on
1: his show. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: yeah. He's a good kid. Yeah, he's a good yeah. So we did a charity event with me and Hendo in November for um, I'm Hope. Yeah, uh, cool. we did. Uh, we did a 538 minute game of football and live podcast <laughs> uh, for the 538 souls we lost in the oh. last year to suicide. Yeah, right. So yeah, we, we did that. We did in that nine kid hour he was cool. He was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah.
1: talking with him. Yeah. He was like
0: 18 or 19 and like really driven. Yeah. I was impressed by him. <laughs> He's a big boy as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time meeting him and then realizing how short I fold neck <laughs> you don't realize on, online, you know, the size and yeah, 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 stuff, yeah. and then you run into people, um, so they know that's awesome. But Richie, thanks so much uh, for pleasure. coming on the show today. It's been amazing there's been so much um so much knowledge that you've got there and your your, you've brought your knowledge all over the place you know the mental side the uh you know the masculinity stuff the political side it's amazing to hear someone's come out and speak and to speak freely that's 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 one of the reasons also why i personally people have asked me why don't i have the likes of our political parties on my show because None of them will speak fucking freely. So this is a call out. If you're an MP or anything in a political nature and you want to speak freely, you can come on the show. But if you are going to be guided or filtered, I know they can't. If you're going to be guided
1: or filtered, don't fucking, don't, don't email me. Not that anyone's emailing me anyway. It's interesting just to like, before you finish, like I used to hang out with like MPs and stuff, right. And like be into political advocacy. And it just never worked well for me because I just always say what I think. I'm not particular. I'm not like media trained. <laughs> like I'm not. Partic- I, go, I, I get the I, same problem. I've learned the hard way, you know. Like oh fuck, you can't just tell someone to get fucked, you know. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is not like my standard mo, yeah. but like you know what I mean. Like it does happen. But like, well, we're human beings. Yeah. And in this climate, like there's no space for human frailty. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, brother, it's been, <laughs> nice, and, it's been <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, Richard. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much uh, for the show. And, and to everyone
0: else, as always, um, thanks for coming over to the Wolf of Queenship Podcast. Today's show, I think, is there's so much knowledge, so much insight you can take away. And as always I say at the end of the show, I don't care about the subscribes, the likes. I don't care about all, any of that sort of stuff from from the show. What I care about is if something resonates for you is to take that in and learn from it. If there's someone else that needs the help or needs the support, send them this so that they can get the help and support they need and the free space, the safe space um, to take it. If there's anything you're struggling with or challenging with in your life, your family, anything else that something in the show resonated, by all means, reach out to myself or to Richie. Or by all means, help you out or point you in the right direction. But as always, um, thanks for coming over to the Wolf of Queen Street Podcast. Stay powerful, stay beautiful, and hope to see you again.